Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good afternoon. It's Wednesday again, and um, here it is. The phone number is 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. Um, I'll give a new, um, I'll give out my, uh, my phone number for anybody that wants to text me a question, uh, 979-492-1112. If you, if you don't feel like calling and talking, feel free to text me a question or a comment, um, 979-492-1112. Um, and again, uh, the phone number is 85-LOVE-RED-C. That's 855-683-7332. Um, Dennis is not here today, so I've got the great help of Gene Wilhelm here in the in the house. And um, hopefully if he's got anything to say, he'll feel free to jump in. But um, we're going to talk today. Right now I think he's try- he's just trying to operate things, which thank God he's here because we would not be going across the airways at this point. But Anyway, with that all being said, and um, and hopefully with y'all having some questions and comments, let's uh, begin with our with our prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life through your Son Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, fountain of divine charity. Grant that every family on earth may become. For each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weakness and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. Through Christ our Lord, who is the way, the truth, and the life forever and ever. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray for us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. Come, Holy Spirit. With the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So we're ready to go. I what I wanted to do today is because I think this is a great week um to really address this because I think we've mentioned before that for all uh time since the church has come into existence. Basically, the liturgy has been the teaching tool of the church. I mean, for centuries, there were not there were, there was not a New Testament, um, and I mean that we didn't have them one bound for centuries. Um, some of the books weren't written um, 
in the Bible. I mean, there were 30 some odd years between uh, Christ's death and the first known letter that's in in that. There are 30 plus years. That's a that's a whole generation. If you just go back 30 years, you can see that a lot of it was and continues to be oral uh, tradition. It was passed on by that, and and most particularly in and through the liturgy um, is the faith taught. And I think you can probably, I can show you this by even today, if you asked your kids, what do you believe? And I've said this before, and Stephanie and I have talked about it, but you'll be amazed if they've gone to Mass every Sunday for a decade, um, notwithstanding the fact that things have changed, then you said, uh, I believe, they could pick up and do the I believe in God, the Father Almighty, and go through. Um, some of us old, older folks might make a few mistakes because we grew up on the <laughs> on the, the previous translation. But we sometimes don't realize how much our children are picking up and how much we are picking up from participation in the Mass and particularly participation in the Mass over um, and over again, over, you know, I mean, I've been going to Mass, I guess, for probably— 50 plus years uh, with my parents taking me even as an infant. And so um, I've heard many of the prayers and I guess the danger of that can be the sense of it being um, repetitive. But if we can really kind of get our uh, bearings and recognize what's going on in the mass and in, in the liturgy that we can um, use it as a teaching tool and I guess one of the things that I want to talk about, because this week we fall right in between um, the Sunday Mass of, that's that's a based on or about the Holy Trinity, which was this past Sunday, and this Sunday, and actually tomorrow, the Feast of Corpus Christi, uh, the Body of Christ. And actually tomorrow, I think it's St. Thomas, there's, is that right, there's a procession, do you know what time? At 6.30. Um, where they'll process, they'll process that. Gene's going to probably try to find that out. But we're, right now we're in this week that links the two most important things that Jesus came to reveal. And I think it's really important for us to recognize that the church gives us that opportunity. I would, I would highly recommend, and I'm, we've not always done a real good job of it, but, but frequently we do is we just we look at what the readings are, and particularly when there's a feast associated with it. Use that as a time to grow in your understanding of what what that means, um, to grow in, in understanding what that means, and then also to try to figure out ways to pass it on to your children. Well, the church has a hierarchy of truths, meaning that there are things that are everything flows from. Well, the most important is the fact that God revealed himself as a trinity, and then the second most important is the fact that from that Trinity, the second person of the Trinity became man and walked this planet. Jesus Christ himself, 2,000 years ago, through the incarnation, 100% man, 100% um, God became that. But we've got, we've got, we've got 630. 630 uh, at St. Thomas Aquinas, and it is Mass and Procession. A mass and procession. Yes. If you haven't done that, it's a great teaching opportunity. That's that's tomorrow night at St. Thomas Aquinas here in, in College Station um, to focus again on the on the feast of Corpus Christi, which I think technically falls tomorrow, but is celebrated here here locally on Sunday. 
Um, if you can go tomorrow night to go to Mass and to be in the presence of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ and to um, walk with him and process with him. Um, if you haven't been out there, I, I've been out for a couple of them. I assume it's the same way. They'll process out of the Mass and then there will be a walk around, around the grounds. That's my understanding, yes. And then and usually there's places for adoration. Um, anyway, I, I think it's really important for us to uh, to remember that the church uses the liturgy to teach, always has. And so we as parents, if we're going to teach our children the faith, can follow the lead of the church, the church who is a mother, and and use this time and or use this time and use whatever is are the readings and particularly when they're particular feasts to, as parents, grow in our understanding and, and our um, integration of what we believe into our own lives, and then look for ways to pass that on to to our children. So my challenge to, uh, today is to try to look at um, the Trinity, which just was this past Sunday, the, the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, and then the Feast of Corpus Christi, which is coming up this next Sunday, we're in that sandwich between the most important, uh, the most important of the two, uh, higher, in the, uh, the top two in the hierarchy of truths. Um, I'm going to read, I'll start by reading this because this is one that's quoted. And I think it, it basically the essence of, of um, the essence of what we're getting at here. Um, this is from Gaudium et Spes. Gaudium et Spes is a um, constitution from the Vatican II documents. Um, it's one of the four constitutions. And if you if you get it, or you can look at it. I mean, you literally you can plug in Gaudium et Spes, which is G-A-U-D-I-U-M, et for and, E-T, and then the next word Spes, S-P-E-S, and you'll find the Vatican uh one on there, Vatican VA, and click on it, and it'll just pop up. And if you go down, if you, I don't know if you've ever seen any of these documents, but just like the papal encyclicals, when you open it up every paragraph, or at least every, not necessarily every paragraph, but there are sections that are numbered. So it's very easy to to track down something you're looking for. And Gaudium et Spes number 22 is is one that I want to focus on today because I think it's really important in, in understanding and growing in this. And so as parents, find this and go read and pray over it um, so that you can come to a deeper understanding of what this really means. But I'm going to read a little bit and make a few comments on it because it, it's kind of maybe what we're going to what we're going to talk about um, on the, in this week. Uh, so Gaudium et Spes number 22, it says, the truth is, and these are the Vatican II documents, the Council the Second Vatican Council documents. The truth is that only in the mystery of the incarnate word does the mystery of man take on light. That is absolutely important to understand. Jesus, his coming is what helps us understand. It says only in the mystery of the incarnate word. Who's the incarnate word? Jesus Christ himself. The word of God, the second person of the Trinity, incarnate, enfleshed become man is it's only in the truth of the mystery of the incarnate word that the mystery of man takes on light for Adam 
the first man, was the figure of him who was to come, namely Christ the Lord. Christ, the final Adam, by the revelation of the mystery of the Father and his love, fully reveals man to himself and makes his supreme calling clear. This is one that John Paul II quotes all the time, because the second person of the Trinity came to this world, obviously to save us, but even even the bigger thing was to reveal something that nobody before had ever known, which is that God is Trinity, uh, three persons, one God. I, I was interesting. I heard a... Um, I heard uh, a homily this past Sunday um, here at St. Mary's, Father uh, Sullivan. I hope it's okay for me to 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 say that. But he he um, talked about that when he was coming up through seminary, that he had, had been advised. You know, um, he said two, he said two things. I was told never to give a homily on one was on women's fashion, <laughs> and the second was the Trinity. And I think that I've seen, I remember, I remember uh, talking with a good friend of mine, a non-Catholic friend of mine, and, and uh, him talking to me about how, you know, I, I know we need to know the Trinity, but really more importantly, we need to know Jesus. And it's not an either or, it's both and. And the fact is, is that the most important thing that God came to reveal is that God is a Trinity, Three persons, one God. And I'm going to try to get to that and talk about it. But he came to reveal that. And in revealing that, it says, and this is Pope John Paul II says this over and over again, he uses that Christ fully reveals man to himself and makes his supreme calling clear. So if we want to know what we're made for, if we want to know what we're like, then we have to look at the incarnate word. We have to look at the person who... um came from the Trinity and then uh, became man and walked this planet and showed us what, who God is, that he's three persons, one God, but also show us who we are. So it says, I'll continue here. So Christ fully reveals man to himself. Then it is not surprising then that in him all the aforementioned truths find their root and attain their crown. This is really important. You want to know what the answer to every problem, everything that comes to mind, the answer is always Jesus. Everything that we need to know about who God is, who we are, what we're made for, and everything that surrounds that, what makes us happy, why we exist, all of those things, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the person who can reveal to us um, what our calling is, why we exist, what we're here for, that God loves us, all of the above. You look like you might have something to say. Well, I was just thinking that uh, that is the case. And if we remember that the, the church is the body of Christ, then all the answers also are in that body of Christ, the church. Exactly. And I think I think it's really it's really we have to chew on this because when we talk about the body of Christ, there is first and foremost the the fact that the second person, the Trinity, took on a body. There there is really a person named Jesus that walked on this planet. His last name wasn't Christ, just by the way, but that was who <laughs> that was what he was. But Jesus 
came and walked this planet. So he took on a body, and that body today sits at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. All right? But then he also left us a church, which... And he left left us a vehicle through which he comes to us sacramentally in, in in full reality, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in what looks like a piece of bread. Jesus's body, blood, soul, and divinity is made present to us. But then also the body of Christ is is that 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 comes to feed us where Jesus Himself is there, most especially in the Blessed Sacrament, body, blood, soul, and divinity. We who are members of His body who go to Mass. Um, actually become, we are members of his body. And there we find Jesus, too, in, in our neighbor. And I think it's really important for us to remember that these are all the different ways that that we need to focus on the body of Christ. Again, the link between God and and us, the the perfect connection between God and us is, is in Jesus Christ himself. And then through his church, the body of Christ as well, he delivers himself in all of his humanity and all of his divinity in and through the sacrament, the blessed sacrament, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And then as it enters into us, we become participants in this body as well and must recognize that in our other in others. Well, the other thing that is there, uh, Trey, is that through the church, he reveals himself, and the church is the one who is able to interpret what Jesus has told us through his written word. Right, and he promises he promises that, and that's that's something that you know. Again, I think I've mentioned this before on the show. I may may or may not, but it really gets down to what that we really take seriously: the incarnation, the fact that that God became man, and that it is our living our lives. Uh, it is in our living our lives that um, God reveals Himself. It's not. It's not like we're we're two separate. Like okay, we're spirit here and body there. Really, as a body, we are a person and a person that is both has a spiritual side and a very. We're as one of my professors used to say, punchable. If somebody punches me, it hurts. <laughs> if I do something, I, I have an impact on another person. Um, if I swing and hit somebody, it, it, it would hurt, uh, and it's real. And so I think, I think that we take seriously the fact that, that our bodies matter. And, in fact, that's what Jesus said, this is my body given for you, and that it's from that that we learn. You had, you had something else, Gene, or no? My mind just went oh, just blank. <laughs> that seems to happen. That seems to happen very much. I, I need to let you go uh, when it first flashes in there. When I see the no, I, I, I've, I've got something else that I want to share a little bit later. But this isn't the time. Okay. Well, um, so here's here's the the point. Jesus came to reveal two things to us. One is well, I mean, many things to us, but I mean, the the top two are that God is a Trinity. This three persons, one God. That's something that was never, ever before thought of. I mean, it's it's outside of any reason. And the second thing is, is that God, who is Trinity, wants us to be part of his life, wants to share his life with us, wants us to be with him forever in heaven. And he came to save us from our sins, which would be the only thing, that, which would be the thing that would separate us from him by providing his very self, the second person of the Trinity, to us and his church to help us 
participate in his life. And yes, and and although uh, people did not understand it before the New Testament times, God revealed himself as Trinity in the opening verses of Genesis. Right. And in, in the third chapter of Genesis, he promised the Savior, Jesus Christ. Right. So that's that they all do, because I think what he's making reference to is a couple things. One, and this is this all ties this together. The very first uh, part of the Bible in Genesis at the creation, um, and and I've heard it said, but I always find it interesting. I've heard it said, well, they, they didn't really understand it as such, but I find it interesting it, that God says, let us make man in our image. <laughs> You know, but we believe in one God. But in on the first page, and the Jews would have believed in one God, um, and let us make man in our own image, which is actually the heart of what we're talking about right now. Yes, because we're talking about God said we're going to make man in our own image. He's saying it's us, so there's a Trinity there, at least more than one. We don't know Trinity by that time, um, but we do know that God intends to make us in His image. Right, and and that's interesting because uh, there are two very closely related words that are given to God in the Old Testament. One is El, which is the singular, and Elohim, which is the plural. And it is Elohim that's used in the opening verses of uh, of Genesis and many other places, particularly in the Psalms. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm not I'm not that familiar with with that, but I do I do know that that it's not outside of what 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 could be taken it's just clarified and made perfectly clear in the person of Jesus that that that's um that that's the case but that is where we find what it is that God shows us who he is and that well what the heck does that mean i mean this again i remember uh not too long ago um i want to throw this in this is a really divergent thing because i think it's really important getting back to the fact that liturgy is I've never thought about. It. I've kind of grew up here in the in, in Texas. This is a divergence. I'll try to come back to what we were talking about, but I, I it just popped in my head, and I think it's something that kind of hit me. Um, I have I have a I have a person that I know closely, uh, very closely that 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 as an adult does not is not able to read, and they're Catholic, and I've never heard it said this, but he said because I cannot read. I have a greater appreciation for Catholicism because if everybody says hands me a book and says go read this, I can read nothing. Yet I can go to mass and I can hear the words and I can have a sense of sacramentality and I can do it. I don't think I've ever had in 50 years it made more clear to me how beautiful it is that we have a church that does not uh because people don't read. There are people that can't read. And to say that it's the Bible, and it, nowadays you could read, but you could listen to it on the thing. And again, this is not diminishing the Bible in any way. I mean, the Scriptures are, ignorance of Scriptures is ignorance of Christ, and ignorance of Christ is no way to heaven. So, so we have to have them. But at the same time, I find it interesting that in the in the Mass, we have it read to us. Now, now we can plug in a thing or buy an app or whatever and have the, somebody else read it to us. But if we only go back 20 years or 30 years, that was not readily available. And if you go back millennia, it certainly wasn't. But you could come and hear the Word of God read, then explained, and then receive the sacraments and the graces that go with it and, and, the, and the prayers that are going. And I, 
I literally just heard that this past week, and it struck me that, wow, that's true. I mean, for all this time, how else would somebody have known it if they couldn't read? It, it's it's uh, really uh, what you're saying is uh, saying another way. What Jesus told us is that we need to become as little children. Little children cannot read. Oh, that's good too, yeah. And the other thing that people need to be aware of, uh, that the— reason for a lot of the stained glass windows in the ancient churches was so that there was a visible representation of events in the Bible that the faithful who were illiterate would be able to see and understand what God had done. Right. And and really the sacraments themselves point to the fact that God, who created man and woman, I mean, created mankind, knows better than any as the creator is what we need. And he gave us a body where this, where this strange composite of two things that typically don't. You've got spirit, which is God himself and the angels. And then you've got matter, which is the trees and stuff out here and the, and the, and the dogs. And then we've got this strange mixture that he's put in us, but it's not one over the other. It's not like, I mean, he made us this way and we believe in the resurrection of the body. The only thing that causes death is sin and sin causes death and death is what the separation of two things that are meant to be together we're not it's not like we're going to be separated from this body go to heaven and never be reunited with it the church teaches we're meant to be this unified whole and it's just when we violate what the unified whole was meant when we sin when we go against the way our creator um, made us then we die Yes. But Jesus came to, to, to redeem that and to buy back that unity, and he did it start to finish perfectly. It, and it doesn't mean that you have to fully understand it. I'm going to share the scriptures that I've been sitting on. I think this is an appropriate time to, to uh, say them. And this is in Colossians 2, 6, and 7. It says, So as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted in him, and built upon him, and established in the faith you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. It says the faith that you were taught. It, it doesn't say that you fully understand or in your heart you think you fully believe. It's saying you have been taught the truth, and you've been taught the truth of the faith. Live it. it and right. uh, as, as I, I heard someone say many years ago, sometimes you have, when, when you pour a, con, a concrete sidewalk, you put up the forms first, and the forms are there, and let then the contractor pours the concrete in and lets it harden, and then you can take the forms off, and you've got the real thing. But sometimes in our lives, even for or even maybe things like the Trinity for most of our lives, we go through the forms of, of believing the Trinity without truly understanding or maybe even thinking that we believe them. We go through the right. forms. Right, and we should, and, we, and that's, that's what's really important. I can think a couple things. One, as a parent, if your child's baptized particularly— you need to tell them what the truth is, that God's a trinity. Don't, you know, I've heard people say well, on both of these, because these are, again, these are what Christ came to reveal. Who God is, God is love, God is a communion of persons, God is trinity, and how much he loves us in coming, becoming one of us and dying for us. He came to do that, and I just lost my train of thought. Um, on a divergent on a divergence there, but I I I think what is important to remember is we have to give our children all of that. In other words, we can't 
We can't hold back. We need to tell them. Like we tell them 2 plus 2 equals 4 before they maybe fully understand what 2 plus 2 equals 4 means. That, oh, yeah, I can take two apples and add two more apples, and that means I have four apples. They may know 2 plus 2 equals 4 before they actually know how to apply it in their life. But they have to know it. They have to be taught that. And so don't be afraid. I have had parents, and I've regained it momentarily. Um, I have had parents say, well, they're too young to understand it. Well, I mean, I don't know about Eugene, but I mean, uh, in reality, I mean, we're chewing on uh, literally and figuratively for all of our lives, the Trinity and what it means and the fact that Jesus became one of us. And not only that, that he's left sacramentally a visible sign of his real presence, that he is really there, body, blood, soul, and divinity. I don't know how... I could ever say, well, I can I can maybe say I understand what the teaching is, just like the two plus two equals four. But like many children, you know, I can understand how to maybe do a derivative in calculus. Don't even get me started. But 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 I'm able to do the problem, but I but I may not be able to actually apply it. And I think all of life is trying to take those things and apply it. We have to feed them with the facts and then do our best through our lives and through our examples to kind of show them what does that look like in real life? Well, uh, a practical example of that is that we may not understand what electricity is and how it works, but we believe it's there when we turn on the switch. Right. And, and, and we know, and we trust that it's there and we, we also know um, what it does. I mean, and, and I think I think it, the bottom line is is that we can teach our children um, <laughs> that if they turn on a light, that it turns on without them knowing all of. I mean, I don't know how it all works. So, <laughs> why would we think that as God reveals this? I think these are the two great mysteries. We don't see it uh, other than in sign, but we know it's true because Jesus taught it Himself. And because of that, we have to do it. So I, I, I challenge you as parents, chew on this. It's for the rest of your life, but deliver to your children. There's some positive about the, about the Baltimore Catechism that just flat out says, this is what we believe. Now, what we can't do is tell ourselves or our children, well, just knowing that stuff is good enough to get to heaven because, because it'd be just like knowing 2 plus 2 equals 4, but never actually applying it in real life We'd have problems. I mean, the basic things that we do, it has to be applied to our life. And so we need to ask God, show us how to apply what this means. But I trust that you revealed it for a purpose. And in so doing, I know I need to learn how to live out. What does it mean that I'm created in God's image and you revealed yourself as Trinity? What does it mean that I live in God's image and I've been saved and through the person of Jesus Christ? How do I live that in real life? He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so I think that, again, it's very important that we, um, that we recognize that we need to deliver the facts to our children but then challenge them to a personal relationship with, with Jesus and through Jesus with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. As, as someone who was raised on the Baltimore Catechism, right. I am going to, I'm going to make a statement here that may not be be fully embraced or understood. The Baltimore Catechism, I would suggest that parents teach both in the pre-Vatican II and the post-Vatican II way. Teach 
in the manner that the Baltimore Catechism did, but also give them some some things behind that so it it makes some sense spiritually at least to the children, even, even if they can't understand it intellectually. Right, and I think that's, I mean, so here's the bottom line. I mean, that's what God did, okay? God came, he created us. From the very beginning, he said, I've created you in, our, in my image, right? I mean, I, let us create man in our image. And then it wasn't, we, the, we've, John Paul II brought it out, but it's been taught forever. You know, male and female, he created them. There's something about the male-female that is part of being the image of God. And then now, in more depth, when we get to the theology of the body, we recognize that this threeness uh, in one, this unity of this one flesh union between a man and a woman in in the sacrament of matrimony, sometimes leads to a, a third, a child. And so th- there's an image there of life and love go together. Life comes from the love, the union of, of two, and that, that that's a way that God has made himself, uh, has made us in his image in and through that family unit. And so much of what we have in the Mass comes dr- directly out of the scriptural text. And if we go to Mass every Sunday over a course of three years, we will we will have heard a significant portion of the scriptures. Absolutely. And that and again, that's something if we if we go to Mass, then we're gonna we're gonna hear these stories over and over. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna come to know um in more depth because you do, you hear it every, it's about every three years. Like, like Gene said, that it kind of repeats. If you go on Sundays, you're going to get a pretty good view. If you went every day, or if you got a Bible and just read the daily readings, um, we have a actually very close friends that give us the one year Bible, um, the Catholic version, the one year Bible. No, no, I've gotten that, but I, but actually the, 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 I forget who I forget who publishes it, but it's actually the whole year, all 365 days, the readings for those. So any day you can pick up, you know, June 3rd, and you can see what the readings are for today. And if you read those and do that, that doesn't take prayerfully to do it. 10, 15 minutes. 10, 15 minutes to read, to read those. And if, and if you really are stretched, then do what Pope uh, Francis is saying. Just read the gospel, you know, the, right. read the last one if you're pressed for time. And and just fill yourself with the word of god and the if if you read the gospels and the epistles but the but jesus came to fully ex, to explain to us what the old testament said how to live the life that the old testament called the people to live and right. he is the fulfillment of everything that is there so that if you do read the gospels like you say you you you've got the essence of what's there and then paul goes even farther to talk, and right. james and peter to tell us how to how to live the gospel right so so what what do we do is what should we do as parents during this time? I think first off, we should I think we should make the effort to to as simply as possible, depending on the age, focus this week on the fact that God became one of us. Uh, just flat out teach it. Jesus is God, yet Jesus is also man, one hundred percent like us in all things except sin. But then he's also the second person of this most holy trinity. So teach them that. And that this next week, as you go into Mass, that we're focusing on the fact that God became one of us. 
So you've got you've got that. The second thing is on the feast of Corpus Christi is that he left he while he went to heaven, Jesus body blood uh, Jesus the physical person the person who ascended into heaven on on uh, on the, the feast of the ascension is now sitting at the right hand of God, but he's provided us a sacrament. He's provided us seven sacraments, but but the one where he is most especially present is the one that we experience when we go to Mass in his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, that this is, you know, the body of Christ, amen, the blood of Christ, amen, is when we receive it. So we're saying, I stake my life on it. We're saying that that's, that is truth, that Jesus is present here, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in what looks like a piece of bread. He is present here, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in what looks like wine. And I would say to the person that says, I don't get anything out of Mass, is they're not paying as much attention to what's going on in the Mass as they would if it was a class or a, a lecture or a seminar that determines something about their future outside of their spiritual life. Right. And I think in the, in the prayers, I mean, I personally, I like to look at the prayers, like when they're reading, so to find, and, and you can get those. But if you look at them, there is so much, the words are not wasted that the, that the priest is saying in the Eucharistic prayer. And it really points us to what we really believe is going on here, that, that the Mass is a prayer to God the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit who is able to come down to make Jesus, the third, the second person, the Trinity, present to us and all the grace and truth that we need to live it out. We need to, again, this is another thing. It looks like just, it doesn't look like just any other church, but it looks just like we're sitting in church. But we need to remind ourselves that what the church teaches, and again, this is it, and we have to remind ourselves of it, that when we're at Mass, that we are sitting in heaven, that we're sitting at the foot of the cross, that we are really present there, that God has takes us into eternity by our presence there, that this is not just an ordinary getting together and let's sing songs and do that, but that in, but then in fact that Jesus, that God is making himself present to us and available to us so that we can be part of eternity while we're here in time. Now, if somebody wanted to know a little bit more about the Mass, there are a couple of books that are recent publications that help to explain that. I believe one's by Scott Hahn, is it not? Yeah, the the, the Lamb Supper would be one. Uh, Dr. Ed Shree has uh, the Mass in the Bible. Uh, um, if you look at him, anything on the on the Mass, he does a really good job of of going through the Bible and showing it. There there are there are really um, if you go to a reputable um, Catholic. Uh, once you'll get you'll get that Ignatius Press, Ascension Press, um, you'll you'll see, um, and, and you'll those. find and you'll find out that uh, the standing, sitting, kneeling, all that that goes on in the mass isn't just the church's idea of an exercise program. No, and 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 again, that that points to a, the fact, and that this is something we need to teach our kids that what we do with our body actually means something. That's, we've talked about that in talking in raising what are the foundations of of teaching your children about human sexuality. Well, the foundations are right there, that what we do with our bodies says something. So if, if we're standing in Mass, 
it's saying something. Now, we may not understand what it says, but it's our job to go try to figure it out. Typically, when we're listening to Scripture, we're sitting until Jesus's word is read. We stand because it's Jesus that's now being read to us. We're hearing his word spoken to us directly from him. So we stand in reverence. We kneel, kneel, an act of worship, an act of submission, is what we do when Jesus is is coming. (laughs) Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He is coming into our presence in and through um, the Eucharistic prayer and and the fact that we have a priest saying, this is my body and this is my blood. And so, again, I think that what we're saying is is this a, is a good place to remind us that what because what matter what Jesus did with his body is really important. He died for us. He walked with us. He used it to heal. He sits at the right hand and he's given it to us in what looks like a piece of bread and 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 wine. That's important. What does that tell us? We need to know and think what does that mean? It means that what we do with our bodies matters. What we say, how we act, what we do matters, and the Mass is one of those things, too. We don't do what we want to do. We do what we should do, and it helps reveal to us what's going on there. So use the Mass to teach. And if you don't know why we kneel, then listen to why we're kneeling, because we are believing we believe that Jesus comes into our presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity, when the priest says, this is my body. And the sitting, standing, and kneeling are things that go way back even outside of Christianity. These were things that you did in, when the king was around. Right. You, when the king came in the room, you stood up. Right, I mean, even right and when, now. And when you wanted to, to submit your, show that you were less than the king and submit to the king, you would kneel down. Right, or, I mean, I went and to— even the genuflection. Right, I went, to jur- I went to jury duty, and when, before the judge walked in, they said, all rise. You know, it's, it's a sign of respect. I mean, back in the olden days, and I still do it, when a lady walks in the room— a man's supposed to stand up. I mean, I don't know if they do that anymore. Were you taught that? <laughs> I was taught that, but I think I forgot yeah. it. <laughs> you know, uh, but 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 th- there are things that we do with our body that shows our respect for someone else and how what level of respect we have for somebody else. And I think we need to. We can teach our kids that now. By yep. the, I mean, by 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 the way that they they talk to you by. As a parent, by what you de- what you demand of them with regard to how they say something, you know, we don't force that down their throat. What we say is that the, this is a more appropriate way. It's better to say yes, mom, than it is to say yeah or something like that. And and for the parent there that doesn't understand it themselves, they need to under they need to go back to that old saying: you can't give what you don't have. So if you don't understand it, you can't really explain to your children what's going on to help them. To, to appreciate what's happening there. It's it's incumbent upon the parent to understand, to learn, and to understand what's happening during Mass so that they can help the child understand what's happening. And here's the good news. This is what we believe, too, is that uh, as parents, God has given you a child. He, I, I promise you, he gave, if he gave you the child, he's going to give you the graces that you need to be able to understand, to be able to articulate, to be able to do those things. But like anything else... God, as, as, a, as a great coach, as a great father, as a great leader, says, okay, I'm going to give you what you have to do, but I'm going to ask you to participate with me. I'm going to ask you to make the effort to learn, to, to make the effort to go to a, to a class if you want to learn something or to pick up the catechism or do whatever. 
here's the bottom line. Take a small chunk, and that's why it's great. What I'm trying to tell you here is this. Pick up something on the Trinity or on the body of Christ and just read a little bit. If anything, just read the scriptures that are that are given to us at the Mass and prayerfully say, Jesus, I don't understand this. Please help me to understand. Holy Spirit, help me to understand. I want to be able to understand it, and I want to be able to give it to my children. He will do that. He, he will. That, that's a promise. He wants you. That is his will. And if you ask him according to his will, he will deliver. It may or may not look or like you expect it, <laughs> but he will show you the way. So trust as a parent that he is going to intervene in your life and, and help you with that. If you want a scriptural confirmation of that, in Second Corinthians, Paul was in some pretty dire straits, and uh, God spoke to him and said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is at best in, its weak, in, in weakness. So God told Paul that, but it wasn't just for Paul. It was for everybody. When we find ourselves overpowered by what's going on or whatever, God's grace, as, as Trey said, is sufficient for us. We just need to take it. I mean, if, God, if somebody offers you a present and you don't take it, what, what's, what are you telling that person? Right, and it's, I think it's very fair to say— I mean, God, I, I'm struggling with this. I don't know how to do it. Would you show me the way, please? Show I, I beg. <laughs> He's not short sure of beg. Ask him. Um, he will provide um, if if you ask. I get the prayers that I know he'll answer are a parent saying, "I want to be a better parent. Please show me how to do it." He'll answer that prayer every time. Now, what he may ask of you may be something that may be something you don't feel good about, but but he'll again provide you the grace if you say yes. Now, what I'm saying on, on this is is just take one step this week. Take one step. Say, okay, between now and Sunday, as a parent, I am going to read the readings on Sunday. I'm going to prayerfully ask, before I do that, Jesus, show me something that I can learn and something that I can experience and something I can deliver to my children this day and a small nugget because, you know, while we don't know how long we're going to be here, the reality is the way the church operates is, is that we just got little bits of time that we got to make, take advantage of the moments that we have. And so take that moment and just say this week, I'm going to focus on one thing, one nugget, and I'm going to try to figure out how to give that to my kids. What, uh, what, uh, I hear you saying is similar to this. If if a doctor told you you needed to do X, Y, and Z to get healthy or prevent a particular disease, you have a choice whether you're going to do that or not. But right. yeah. most of us would do what the doctor tells us to do because we don't want to be unhealthy. Right. I mean, and, we don't want to be sick. Right. And 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 the other thing is is I think we can use we can take um, we can take time uh, to ask other people. You know, if you don't understand or. Go to like we have a men's group that that meets here on Mondays. I mean, there's other there's I know there's a bunch of things that have been going on at St. Thomas and adult faith formation. Just make an effort. I mean, most of those take maybe an hour, hour and a half out of your time, out of your day, and they're at various times. I know we talk to the people at St. Anthony's and I'm sure St. Mary's. There's always some place to go and say, I'll take an hour a week and I'll go to this. I'll go to this Bible study or I'll go to this whatever, and just go do that and say, I'm, I'm just going to offer this one hour a week and ask God to take it and make something come of it in my life that I can share with my children. 
And if you if you had to were given an exercise program, you might need to hire a trainer, absolutely, a personal trainer to help you get through that. So that personal trainer could be somebody in that group, or it could be a spiritual director if, if you need that. And but generally speaking, these things aren't going to cost you as much as a personal trainer at a gym. Right. And so and and what that points us to is back to again all of life. God is trying to reveal himself to us. We are not meant to be in a vacuum by ourselves. Why do we know that? Because we're creating God's image. How is God's not a solo guy sitting up there by himself? He is a communion of persons. Now, none of them need each other, and they don't need us. But what they do is invite us to live out what they've lived, which is to be in communion with others, in love with one another, using the love and the grace that he gives. And so, we need others. We need to go because there's people further along than us. There's people behind us, and together we can move forward. So as parents come to a, to a married couples group um, that happens once a month or whatever that's done here at St. Mary's, find one thing, just one thing. Don't add five. It's kind of like doing an exercise program, okay? You know, I know that I've been guilty of this. You know, I'm going to run five miles a day. I'm going to stop eating. And it's all these things, and after a week it's like, when one goes, everything goes, and I fall back into my own my old habits. Pick one small thing. I challenge you one small thing, and this one is find one place to go read. I mean, to go to go to a Bible study or something, or say I'm going to read the gospel every day this week. I'm going to find what the reading is today and and read that, and I'm going to ask before I read it, God, show me something that I can apply in my own life and how it applies. And how can I give it to my kids? I'd like to encourage you, too, because uh, think of the, the times your child, your children learn how to walk. They didn't walk all at once. They did a lot of couple of steps and fall, a couple of steps and fall. Or if you've been in a sport, you've gone to the practice, and the first day you couldn't do that much, and you were so sore that you didn't think you could do it again. But you keep doing it. That's the thing, even when you're sore, even when you fail and fall. And one of the, one of the great, and we're coming to an end here, but one of the, one of the prayers that I've that I've that I've made is just quoting scripture. It says, um, "Without you, I can do nothing. With with you, all things are possible." And I think that that's something that we need to, as parents, be able to keep in front of us. That without you, Jesus, without you, God, we can't do anything. But with you, everything's possible. Nothing is impossible. And so no matter where you find yourself as a parent or as a spouse or whatever, no matter how struggling you are with your, with your kids, trust that he will give you the grace. And then just do one thing this week. One thing. Pick one thing. I ask you to please pick one thing and say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take 10 minutes every day. You can do that. Just give up part of a basketball game or something. <laughs> or a TV show or whatever. But anyway, we're we're coming to the end. Hopefully this was helpful. I'll happily um Stephanie will be back next week. Um like us on Facebook. Please let us know uh, if we can help in any way. And uh, we'll be back next Wednesday at the same time for the mystery of parenthood. God bless you guys. Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood.